This episode is brought to you by Habit Aware. If you follow me on social media, you have seen me with my keen too in lilac. I love it. And I love that it is a tool created for BFRBs by someone who has a BFRB. My Keen 2 brings awareness to my trichotillomania by giving my wrist a gentle hug or vibration when I'm doing the scanning behavior. Bring awareness into your life by visiting barbaralally.com slash habit aware. Hello, my name is Tash, Tash Wilson, and I have had since about the age of 12 to 13, tweendom, trichotillomania and dermatillomania, so hair pulling and skin picking. I also have scratching of the scalp like inside my nose inside my ears I also bite my nails bite my cheeks and I've yeah my trichotillomania I don't just pull out my hair I also eat my hair it started off with me obsessively cutting my hair and I also eat my skin as well so it's it's a nice (laughs) combination of a bunch of BFLBs together if you yeah it's they're all together as kind of one (laughs) i love that you shared that because i think it is much more common than people realize to have more than one bfrb throughout your lifetime yeah for sure i it's hard to work out how it all began i feel like my bfrbs are very much just an expression of the same thing which for me is emotional overwhelm whether it be pure boredom pure excitement, pure fear, anything in between, just anything that's strong. I don't think I personally understand how to react to it. So it causes me to go for the BFRBs without really thinking about it that much. Or if I am thinking about it, by then it's too late because you're already in that kind of cycle. When you were younger and you first developed your BFRBs, how did you get a name for it? Oh, the wonderful internet. I wouldn't have really known what was going on at all because the story with many of us is we think we're alone and you think it's a very strange thing to do by yourself. And it's amazing that when you find out what it is, you don't feel so strange. You realise it's not just me, it's us. And it's quite comforting that even though you may not find the answers to quote unquote just stopping, it's amazing to find the community um, out there or even just the comfort of the name. I found it online, BFRB. The first thing that I Googled was um, obsessive pulling out the hair and that's when trichotillomania came up. Then later on, I came across dermatillomania and it took a couple of years after then to find the community itself. But at first it was just lovely to know that it was it wasn't my fault. I know it's silly to say because it's clearly not our fault, but you think it is because you're on your own and you think you're the only one doing it. Oh, yeah. And I think, too, like for at least for my parents, the way they reacted, even though they were trying to help, it did seem like, uh oh, this is kind of my fault. I feel more ashamed because they're taking me to the doctor. They're running me to the psychiatrist, therapist, something. And what is going on? How did your parents react? I 
I will start by saying <laughs> I, my parents did the best that they could because if your reaction is you want your child to be happy and the initial thing that you see as a parent is that your child is upset because of this going on. Well, it was for me anyway, because even though it's a self-soothing behaviour, there's a lot of um, your appearance is changing and you believe it's your fault that your appearance is changing. And I personally also have BDD, so that massively exacerbated it. However, on the other side, the parents taking the just stop approach, which many of us understand and have experienced it does instill shame into you so I do wonder that if the parents didn't say just stop in the first place would there be so much shame it's hard to work out whether the shame is learnt or whether it comes internally or both so it's kind of um two sides of the same coin where your parents are trying to help you but they could also <laughs> be making it worse but not understanding how they could make it better I'm trying to say this from a very <laughs> balanced point of view because who knows, one day I myself may not take the right route if I ever decide to have children. So I don't know what is going to be in the future. But I know that a lot of us have had very, very harsh experiences with our parents who have not necessarily taken the right route with us because they just didn't understand. And I think some people, like some people like having an accountability partner, you know, touching your hand if they see it in your hair. Me personally, I don't want that. I'd rather you leave me alone and say nothing versus saying, Barbara, just put your hand down. Stop pulling your hair out. I totally understand that. What? <laughs> oh, you unlocked a core memory. There would be my mum, bless her, walking into my room. And my parents thought that the best course of action would be to check on me all the time which of course causes anxiety. And what do we do when we're anxious? We do our BFRB. So it just made it worse. And I don't think they really understood that. They thought that if they were omnipresent in my life, that how could I possibly do it? But we're very good at hiding it, you know? So it was it was making it worse. What I found was that a very good friend of mine, when she saw me doing my BFRB, she would gently just hold my hand and take it away from my skin. She would never say, a word she wouldn't give me any judgment it was just the gentle holding of the hand and pulling it away and I thought that was the best thing that anyone's ever done for me in a very like calm and loving way I I couldn't really forget the kind of gentleness in how she was going about it though I think that's the issue that a lot of us face it's the judgment that comes with people telling us just to stop and in that instance I had with my friend I couldn't feel that at all. And it was it was very nice. It stuck with me all these years. So <laughs> That's lovely. Were you comfortable sharing with other friends? It took a really long time. I think because of all the built-up shame and the the shame not just in terms of how it the damage manifests itself, but more so in the lack of control that comes with it, and you feel like you can't get a hold over it and because of those two things for me personally, I found it really, really hard to tell other people because I thought that they were going to have the same reaction as my parents, because obviously your parents are supposed to love you unconditionally. So if they're the ones who are giving you the judgment, you're like, what are people who aren't supposed to love me going to think, you know? And so it took a really, really long time. I, because of uni, I was putting on makeup to just be at home to cover up my wounds and stuff. And when I put makeup on, it would cause me to pick my skin more or just moving my hair around and stuff would make me pull out my hair more, the stress of being seen. 
So I, one day I think I just said, no, I'm just going to go out there and be seen. And I was really scared. Like, I think I had some suppressed panic attacks internally, which caused me to do more BFRBs. But when they saw me, it was a real anti-climax. <laughs> they, I was expecting like, whoa, kind of thing, because that's obviously what you build up in your head. But they were nonchalant about it. They liked me or loved me for me, you know, and that was amazing. It was kind of like expecting to pop a balloon with, um, I don't know, bubbles. <laughs> it just didn't happen, you know. It was it was wonderful at how anticlimactic it was. I love that. And I too can relate to the sense of like, anytime I told someone I was ready for that conversation to take a different turn. For that for me to have to like kind of talk them into still liking me or still loving me because of this, when instead it was kind of like, okay, some some people didn't even care at all. Literally that. It's so true. I think we are so inside our own heads about the things that we carry in our lives of what's stuck with us. And of course, new people who come into our lives haven't had the same upbringing they've had their own things so they've got their own hang-ups of things which stick with them which we see in them and then we go so because we don't care because we love them for them so it's a massive kind of cycle of friendship of just accepting each other as they are and that's kind of what friendship is of just everyone giving each other a big hug so yeah I totally understand that it's a real wonderful experience to like find that true connection within the BFRB community and even outside of people who may not understand what it is that you're going through but love you regardless. You mentioned wearing makeup to cover up your sores and blemishes. What are some other things that you used to do to cover up maybe missing hair or anything else? Oh, this is a good point. I started off wearing makeup to cover up my blemishes, but then I realized that personally for me, it was doing more harm than good because it would cause me to look really close into the mirror. I would have to be perfectionistic about how my makeup was and it wouldn't cover up texture for me and because of my BDD and as well I've got OCD as well contamination OCD especially and perfectionism so I'd have to wash my hands all the time it was causing far more struggle for me than what was necessary so I then started using acne patches but the fun ones which are fun colors and like all in different patterns and stuff and I would match them with outfits whenever I was able to go outside So that's what I changed it to. And it made me getting ready a lot quicker, a lot easier. And when I pulled out a lot of my hair, there was, I looked like I had a fully shaved head um, a lot of the time. And I just wore a wig, not because I was ashamed of having a shaved looking head. It was more because I lost my hair so quickly. (laughs) I would pull it out in chunks. I, at the time, I just didn't want to talk about it and have people confront me asking questions. Did you cut your hair? Where's all your hair? Got? I, it was me assuming that people were going to come at me with judgment. And so if I had chosen to shave my head, that's something else. But it's the fact that it was involuntary that I felt like I wanted personally to wear a wig so people just would leave me alone <laughs> and not ask questions about it. Because at the time I was in uni and I was really stressed out. Like I at that point didn't want to have more in my life that I'd imagined and not necessarily was going to be the case. And that's the same that I covered up my skin for that reason as well. I know some people really are into it and walk around and they go, oh, I don't care. I'm going to go out with my um, marks on my face, which is beautiful. But at the time, I just, I didn't want the drama that I created in my own head. So I covered it up. 
And whatever you choose, to be honest, wig, no wig, blemishes, no blemishes showing, everyone's still beautiful nonetheless. And I, I can relate to this idea of you mentioning, you know, I got tired of the makeup and the texture thing. So I had dermatillomania in high school when acne's coming in and I would sit in front of the magnified mirror with pulling all my eyelashes out, my eyebrows, all of that. And then I would see all these little things in my skin. So I would just spend hours and hours. And I bring that up because the makeup every single day, false eyelashes every single day, every, I'm, I'm getting tired. It's exhausting. And, I, and also it's not helping because now I'm worried the eyelashes are falling off. I can see the texture of the makeup on my skin. So I can see the little scab and I'm picking that. And it's, it's just so tiring. It's exhausting because as well, if you pick your skin, it doesn't last the way that it starts. So say I would cover up open wounds and they would begin a certain way. The wounds would still be open and they would leak. And so I'd be dabbing my face and the makeup would be coming off. It would be bizarre to look in the mirror and hour later and your face would look totally different again. I also would pull out my eyebrows and just a little bit of sweat from having to fill in those eyebrows and your eyebrows are leaking down <laughs> your face. And even a wig the wind boom like your hair is moving around and you can see ball patches and you have to be hyper aware of yourself all the time to hide it not saying that you have to hide it but if you've taken the route of not wanting to talk about it it's very exhausting and it's it's a real like silent struggle because you don't necessarily want people to address it and you at that time don't want to talk about it but your whole life revolves around it because you're hyper aware of yourself all the time. I just used to all the time be so amazed thinking, I'm thinking about what I look like all the damn time. And the only thing that I want is to not think about what I look like. I couldn't enjoy going out because that's all I think about is, am I going to maintain this look all long in order to avoid people bring it up? So I was trying to hide, but hyper aware of my hiding and then consistently looking in the mirror all the time to see if my secret had gotten out and if people could see me for who I didn't want to be seen as at the time again not because I was ashamed of my BFRBs but just because I wanted to be in control of when I talked about them I didn't want people to come up to me when I didn't want to discuss them because I am more than just this BFRBs that were going on in my life you know it was very you hit the nail on the head very tiring <laughs> Were there activities that you felt you couldn't participate in because of your BFRB? Yes. I. A lot of us give up outings because of our BFRB. We don't want to be seen. We don't want to be seen because we feel that we don't look particularly nice because of the shame that has been instilled in us from growing up. Or maybe we just don't feel like we deserve to go outside because we've relapsed or just the shame of the lack of control and a lot of people including me when I pulled my hair out I would do it in public without noticing so I was scared that I was going to be seen doing my BFRBs and there's also the underlying dread of again people going up to you and perhaps asking you what's going on so I would avoid parties and outings I would also often avoid getting too close to people and making eye contact with them I would often like look at the ground and make myself quite small because I didn't want to draw attention to myself. It was tough because I um, didn't think that I should make a lot of friends because I didn't want people to get too close to me because I didn't want them to be in my like person. This is all also intertwined again in 
OCD and BDD because my OCD and BDD prevent me from going outside a lot anyway. And so I feel like it's hard for me to discuss my BFRBs without discussing the OCD and the BDD because all my conditions are like comorbid together in like one giant bundle of string that I'm slowly trying to learn to unravel. I think personally that my BFRBs are the manifestation of the emotions that I feel tied to my OCD and my BDD as well. And I know a lot of people with BFRBs have different things going on, such as I'm also on a waiting list to be diagnosed with ADHD, and I know that's a massive thing. There are people in the community with autism, and it's a massive thing that BFRBs are attached to that as well. Yeah, I've definitely put off a lot of my life to BFRBs for a future that I don't know what it's going to be. And it's just so wonderful to see people in the community just bloody going outside and in relationships and people just having fun because a lot of us put our life on hold until we've reached that perfect time of never doing BFRBs ever again. That's the time that I can have fun and have a life. And it's just not true. It's this time that we're putting off now is time we'll never get back, you know? So it's just quite sad that this is what some of us do, including me. I've done this and still do this sometimes. So I'm talking about myself as well. I could talk about HabitAware and all of the wonderful work they do all day long. Not only does the Keen 2 bring awareness to your BFRB with gentle vibrations, it tracks your vibrations, which allows you to look at your own personal data and make informed decisions. Start your journey with HabitAware by going to barbaralally.com slash HabitAware today. And you bring up such a good point. I think people think, oh, you know, people who don't have BFRBs. Like, like you said earlier, oh, just stop. Oh, you could really get a control of this if you tried hard enough. And it's like, it's not just the hair pulling. It is so much more. It's everything else. Like you have no idea the weight that we carry from the second we start pulling or picking. Yeah, it's a lot. I feel like as well in the community, it's so wonderful that there's so much love. I've never experienced so much love in any community in my life other than the beer for me community because we're so ready to give it we realized that growing up we were kind of absent from the love to do with bfrbs because we are full of so much shame and stigma so everyone is just ready to <laughs> give each other a massive virtual or in-person hug because of it and there is a lot of weight carried with bfrbs particularly because we ourselves or other people usually dismiss it as a bad habit. So we don't usually give ourselves the grace of really accepting that it is a big part of some of our lives. Of course, some of us have been able to get over the shame, which is wonderful. But some people, it's the biggest thing going on in their lives right now that they cannot escape from. And it's just... It's addictive and traumatic, very much so. With my skin picking, I have picked my nose down to the bone before and I've reached like internal parts of my body that I probably should never have reached with my skin. I think I've lost my all my hair like seven or eight times of just losing it all. And it's painful and showering with massive chunks of your skin missing because I go pretty deep and pretty big with the wounds is excruciatingly painful wearing clothes and 
them sticking to like your open wounds is incredibly painful. You can feel like your skin throbbing, your hair, like um, when you've lost it all, you can feel like the itchiness of it, like coming back, which as well is a very painful. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot more than just a bad habit. And I personally wouldn't necessarily call it a habit. I would call it a behavioral addiction for me, I would say. Well, and I like that you said that because I spoke to Shelly and Karen and they Mm. are calling it a process addiction. And they were talking about how there is an addictive component, just like someone who's an impulsive shopper. And if more people thought that, oh, you know, it's a process addiction, I can relate to that. Even if it's not necessarily hair pulling, more people might be able to understand it if it is phrased that way. I just thought that was so interesting. I totally agree with you because I think if you just call it a habit, people, number one, think it's easy to stop, which is not true. And the second thing is people don't necessarily take it as seriously for what it is. I totally think that for me and a lot of people who I've spoken with in support groups and such believe that it's an addiction because if it's positive in a sense that it's self-soothing, but it has drastically negative consequences for initially for your own self-esteem because of the shame that's been attached to it but also in the sense of the damage that it causes which causes pain physically and emotionally sometimes how you perceive yourself as a person it's really hard for me to discuss in words because I'm trying to explain in words the feeling but it's That's what's so amazing about support groups, because when you're with each other, you can just look into each other's eyes and you don't even have to say a lot because you both know exactly what we're going through. And I find that this is why a lot of us don't talk about it, because it's really hard to come up with the words to find. It's definitely something that's positive and negative at the same time, which is why we want to stop, but it's why we can't. So it's a very, very difficult thing to manage. And I don't believe that it's impossible to stop. I just think that because our hands are on us all the time or your teeth or however you manifest in your BFRB, you're carrying it around with you all the time. And when someone faces, let's say, an addiction, the first thing they tell you to do is get rid of all the triggers and you're just walking around with them all the time. So it's it's very, it's quite ironic. And I love that you mentioned earlier that your BFRB is tied to many emotions. There are many things. I even find when I'm happy, like I'm excited, I receive some good news. Like my hand is going to my hair to kind of get get me back to that equilibrium. Do you feel the same way even with positive emotions? Exactly that. Uh, I, If I'm incredibly excited, I pull or pick. If I'm very sad, pull or pick. If I'm very bored, I feel like it's filling up. Um, a vacuum of emotions because I don't think I know how to manage my own emotions I think that I cannot understand or differentiate between the quote-unquote positive or the quote-unquote negative or the quote-unquote in-between emotions emotions are emotions at the end of the day they're feelings and indicators they're not necessarily good or bad but whether society deems them as positive or negative I don't think that I 
am able to get a hold of them. I think I'm scared of my own emotions, to be honest with you. And that's why I go to the BFRBs in order to fill a gap. I also feel like a lot of us consume things when we don't want to be with ourselves. And I feel that's what the BFRB does as well. If I don't, if I want to escape from my emotions and numb out, that's when the trance comes in, whether that be through emotional overwhelm or particularly through me not wanting to be in myself anymore. I want to go away and not be in this reality because I am facing analysis paralysis of too much decision-making. It's not even just emotions. It's not being able to understand your own brain and having too many decisions to make and stuff like that, which could be labelled as anxiety, to be fair. But even now, again, me trying to discuss it, if I had the bloody words, I feel like I would be able to make a path and be able to walk down the path of being BFRB free. You know, I feel like if it was that easy, everyone would be able to do it. It's a very hard thing to talk about because it's something that I've tried to understand for 15 years now. So it's just very, it's a long road. And I think too, when you are met with shame, you know, coming from the adults around you, you know, being a little kid and not really having a doctor say, you know, it's not your fault. You're doing your best. It also makes that process of getting to the self-love and self-acceptance and, and wanting to find a community. It makes that come so much later because you're, you're so caught up in that shame that you can't even reach out for 10 or 15 years, even then. It's so true. I, it was the one I will say small silver lining of the pandemic was that everyone moved online and it really helped me because I really searched for a BFRB community for a long time and I didn't realise that support groups were moving online during the pandemic and I found one BFRB support group and it was attached to something to do with OCD but I couldn't leave the house because of all the stuff that was going on with me so I couldn't go and so I accidentally found the TLC community room hangouts that were going on like zoom rooms of people meeting each other through habit aware weird enough it was a um webinar about how habit aware was working and stuff and I joined the webinar it was wonderful and someone in the chat at the end said oh there's a TLC community room why doesn't everyone like come and join afterwards and I clicked that link boom everyone was there it was wonderful it was a warm hug I've never felt so much love in a room in all my life. And I was like, wow, what was that? And as soon as that occurred, then the wonderful host, Jude, invited me to go to the BFRB UK and Ireland, their support group. And that's when I found a support group for the first time. It was Again, it was a different format to a community room where everyone chilling and hanging out. But the support group was wonderful as well. Everyone was talking about their struggles which were the same as mine their highs their lows it was eye-opening to hear someone who I'd never met before talk about the exact same experience as me and then hearing it again and again and again and it was so validating to feel like that someone else had a parallel experience of growing up with this thing that I have and even though you know it's not joyous to hear other people suffering with something but it's just amazing to hear that you are not alone and I hear this a lot in the community I'm not alone I'm not alone because it means that nothing's wrong with you you are just a person and so are they and that's what was amazing about it it was wonderful so I have so much love for the BFB community it 
saved me in ways that they don't know. And I'm sure that other people in the community will say the same thing. I highly recommend that anyone find support, goes to a support group because it's helped me more than anything else. Was that the first time you had met people with BFRBs? Yes, it was the first time I'd spoken with anyone. The first time I'd seen anyone that wasn't in a picture of someone, you know, if you Google BFRB, I don't know if it's the same anymore, but years and years ago, it was just a picture of someone of the symptoms of it, but you couldn't make, they, they often didn't have pictures with their faces. You just saw the patch of skin, all the hair missing. And so it was the first time I looked into the eyes of someone with a BFRB or just saw their face, saw them speaking, uh, attached their voice. It was absolutely, it was just wonderful. And I feel that even now going to support groups and um, chatting to people, it hasn't left me. It's still absolutely amazing. And I can't imagine life without this community because it's one that lifts your spirits so high and you feel it for weeks, months later, even without going back to the groups again. And you now are an admin at BFRB UK Ireland. You are throwing the support groups and hosting things. Tell me about that. This is hilarious because it was a complete and utter accident. I am so ecstatic that I have joined BFRB, you and I, BFRB UK and Ireland, the long um, full name, because I, again, can't imagine not doing it. And it is absolutely wonderful. I was a um, volunteer to help TLC's online community conference because they did it online again during the pandemic. And it was there that it was the first time I spoke with BFRB UK and Ireland because they had the con room that people were like hanging in and out of. And we had all like obviously joined the support groups many times. And so they asked and we agreed. We're like, oh, yeah, we should help each other out and stuff. It'll be wonderful. And just since then, it all kicked off and we've continued to do the support groups. I hosted my last support group literally two weeks ago. <laughs> and they host themselves in a way. It's just everyone is so happy and joyous and excited just to be there and so open and willing to tell their stories. There was a guy who was there last week talking about his BFBs for the first time and a girl there talking about BFBs for the first time and regulars who were so supportive and sending so much love and happiness. And it's just, it can make you cry <laughs> because every single time, that I either host or attend a support group or just see the love that we get in the messages of um, that gets sent to us because we've got a Facebook group and an Instagram and we're trying to branch out like further in other places, but we're on pretty much all socials. It's just, um, it's just magical. Like I have no other words to, the fact that all these years later, it's still so inspiring to see just people going out living their lives, seeking us out. And just watching people grow in the community is just wonderful. I've, I'm so happy that, um, shout out to Bridget and Pav for starting that beer for BK in Ireland because they gave me um, a purpose in a way because being how I am now currently, I can't do a lot because of being quite unwell. And so it's given me something to to go for you know something to keep me going and it's not about me but it does help me in the <laughs> it does help me in the long run anyway because of that it's just wondering all about what's new what's happening in the community and stuff is just a lovely thing to wake up to each day 
How would you compare your relationship to your BFRBs now versus when you first started 15 years ago? A lot more kindness than it there was 15 years ago. If my person 15 years ago heard me say the word kindness, they would roll their eyes and scoff, <laughs> not because they weren't kind, but because they'd be like, I don't want kindness, I want the answers. Where is the cure? Where is the cure? You know, give me the stopping now. So now the actual if you call it cure, is kindness. Because I always say the path of recovery is different for everyone. Realistically, what you would like to get rid of is it controlling you and the shame. You could get over the controlling and the shame by stopping completely, or you could get over the controlling and the shame by continuing to do it, but not feeling like it controls you anymore and getting rid of the shame, you know, and anything in between. So as long as your emotions around the BFRBs is a positive one through the stopping or continuing or managing it, that is really the win and the victory, you know? Because of me personally, it is so ingrained in my whole other mentality of what's going on with my body dysmorphia and my OCD. It's very hard for me to separate them. I feel like that I have to really understand my BFRBs in order to continue on my journey with my other mental health stuff which stops me from leaving the house and has kind of stopped my life in its tracks so I've put all my effort after I finished uni into trying to understand my BFRBs and it's massively helped me like I've pulled out my hair for I will say 13 years because for the past I'm reaching now my second year of being hair pull free because of um, me <laughs> understanding how hair pulling works and I've massively reduced my skin picking to a point where I can see light at the end of the tunnel with my skin picking as well but what's quite funny is because I still don't fully understand my BFRBs is still a journey that my hair pulling stopping is what's opened the door to scratching I scratch my scalp and inside my ears and inside my nose loads now and I think that's because I haven't fully on this there's still a missing piece there that I'm on the journey of. And the journey for me isn't the cure. It isn't stopping. It's just seeing how far I can go through understanding my BFRBs. And me lessening my BFRBs is what the outcome is just of the journey. I found that being kinder to myself and not being so perfectionistic about recovery is the answer in stopping. Because if you put yourself down for stopping, it makes you anxious, the emotions rise and you do it more. You're stuck forever in a perpetual catch-22 and a cycle of no escape, which is what I was in for at least 13 years. So, and I think that's the journey that I'm on, is I'm either going to be on the journey of continuing or the journey of stopping, but either way, I just want to be free of the shame and the control. I, that's what I'm after. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Trick Talks. Did you know that I offer a trichotillomania online course? My course is called Sharing Our Stories. In it, we do a deep dive into your relationship with trichotillomania by using my guided journal, My Trickster Diaries, as our workbook. We also complete empowering activities and have a bi-weekly support group so that you can meet others in the community. As a gift to you, please use promo code TRICKTALKS25 to receive 25% off the five-session package. You can access this promotion at barbaralley.com. Thank you.